so bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look, an empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed, you're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull out our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Ah! Fight, fight, fight! The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Does somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Hello, church family, and happy Mother's Day to all of you beautiful mothers. We are so thankful that you are making time to worship with us today. Now, we totally understand that Mother's Day is kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? For those of us who have amazing moms, it's a special time of gratitude where we get the focused opportunity to show our moms how much we adore them. For others of us, our relationship with our moms was challenging or difficult. Some of us really just miss the mom that is no longer with us, and others of us are just heartbroken because we have lost a child or want to become a mom but haven't had that opportunity. If you are one of those people, we want you to know that we see you. Our prayer for you today is that you are able to just meet the Holy Spirit in the midst of that messiness and pain. And remember that you have a Heavenly Father who adores you. We also want to recognize that you don't necessarily have to be raising a child to be a mom, right? One of the most beautiful forms of motherhood are those women who pour into children or adults through mentoring, serving, or discipling others. These women, they just make huge impacts on the lives of others around them whether it be spiritually, emotionally, or physically. Now moms, no matter the age of your children or how you are a mom, wow, just wow. What a crazy 15-ish months that you've had. Just stop for a minute and take a breath and just give yourself a pat on the back. Whether you haven't gotten to see your family members or maybe you've had to juggle many different roles, Things have just looked a whole lot different than you probably imagined that they would be. I know that this is sure true for me and my motherhood journey this last year. Never did I ever 
think that I wouldn't be able to be with my college age kids when they were super sick. That they would be moving back home in an instant with all of their stuff, or that I wouldn't get to be with my son that lives far away for such a long time. So when we look back at this time, I truly believe that people are going to first be talking about how God brought us through this time. And then they're gonna be talking about the resilience and love that our moms gave us and how it got us through this time of craziness. I hope and pray that today is just a wonderful time of gratitude for all of you, whether you are giving it or whether you are receiving it. But as we step into this time of worship together, I would just like to encourage you to just take this time to really sit with the mindset and the practice of gratitude. This practice can be an interesting one because let's face it, there's just some times when we don't really feel very grateful, do we? <laughs> However, you are loved by an amazing God that has given you blessings. It's just hard to see them sometimes. When you open your heart to the practice of gratitude, the things that you find to be grateful for may be small. But as you continue to work on this practice, you are gonna to begin to see the many blessings that you actually do have around you. The practice of gratitude just helps us to expand your thinking and to truly see all that God has done for you and all that God has overcome for you. After you find those things to be grateful for, then you can just give thanks to God for all that he has done. As we step today into this first song, praising God is exactly what we are going to do. We encourage you to proclaim the praise and thank God for all that he has done as we praise him.
Jesus 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 Hey friends, it has been so great worshiping with you today. We've already been reminded about so many great truths about God that he pours so many blessings out on us. We've sung about the incomparable strength and majesty of God. And then we got this amazing reminder that God's glory will always, always overcome darkness. I've recently been reading a book entitled Prayer in the Night. And the author of the book talks about how for much of human history, nighttime was just flat out terrifying, right? And imagine an existence before electricity, before we could simply flip a switch and get an abundance of light quickly into a room before the internet and phones could alert authorities or medical staff that something was going wrong. There was so much fear and anxiety built up around nighttime because it was a particularly vulnerable time for humans. And so over the years, the church has developed a series of prayers specifically designed to pray in the evening hours. And these prayers have been called Compline prayers. Now, don't be intimidated by that word. Compline is just a fancy word, really, honestly, that's derived from the word completion. Prayers to pray at the end of the day, when your day nears its completion. These prayers were designed to help prepare us to face whatever the night might hold. Prayers designed to remind us that God is still God, even in the night, even when it appears that darkness is winning. These prayers help silence the fear and anxiety that threaten to rob us of peace and of rest. So for our prayer moment today, I want to extend to you for your reflection and hopefully for your encouragement, a scripture and an example of a Compline prayer. So I wanna read first from John chapter one, verses four and five. This is speaking about Jesus, says this, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then allow me to pray a Compline prayer over us, understanding that darkness takes many forms and that God is always faithful. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake, amen. May each of us be comforted in the midst of whatever darkness we may be facing, that God is ever faithful and his light and strength will always overcome the dark and silence the fear.
Hey friends, have you ever tried to fix something only to realize you've misunderstood the situation to start with? That you were addressing the symptom and not the issue itself? I have, and I've shared a few of those with you before along the way, but I wanna share another one with you and let you in on a little secret in the process. In my personal hygiene regimen, I shave my head. Now, that may come as a surprise for some of you, but this sleekness doesn't just happen. I have to work at it, at least a little bit. <laughs> I shave my head, and I've developed that skill over time so that now I can do it in a matter of minutes without even looking. But I'll tell you, it helps to be able to look in a mirror when I do it. And a while back, I got a new mirror. But I struggled with it because it wasn't very clear. It was a little bit blurry. It would fog up, and even worse, it wouldn't stay on the wall. I had to keep clearing it and then reattaching it, and I figured it was just because it was cheap and the humidity in the room. But after a few weeks, I realized it wasn't just simply the humidity or the quality, but that the laminate on the mirror itself was still there and that I was installing the mirror entirely wrong. Once I removed the laminate and properly installed it, it's been the best mirror I've ever had. See, I'd been trying to address the symptom and not getting to the issue itself. I was trying to live with attention instead of fixing the problem. And maybe you can think of a time that you've done that before. See, there's a difference between how we handle tensions and problems. We have to manage one, but we can solve the other. By definition, a problem has a solution, or at least the possibility of one. Yet, attention doesn't. It's something that we can't or won't be able to resolve. And as a result, it needs to be managed. Problems can be solved, but tensions have to be managed. Yet whenever we try to solve tensions, we end up frustrated, stuck in unproductive cycles, because we're striving towards something unattainable, a solution for attention. And whenever we try to just manage a problem as if it were attention, we end up needlessly struggling and suffering in things that can be solved, in things that can be fixed. We manage tensions, but we solve problems. This reality shows up in lots of areas of life, whether it's at work, at home, publicly, privately. It, it happens in our personal relationships, work dynamics, daily tasks, even small ones like using a mirror. But it also is part of our spiritual lives. It shows up in our relationship with God. And last week, we kicked off our Fit for Life series and acknowledged that we're created body, mind, and spirit. And even though that's the case, most tend to think that God's only interested in the spirit, in the spiritual, but he's not. He actually cares about it all. <laughs> he cares about all of who we are, all of us. And Pastor Jeremiah reminded us that our bodies matter last week as he unpacked what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, that seems simple enough, even straightforward. We belong to God. He sent Jesus to pay a price we couldn't pay so that we can live for him in all things. 
But I think if we're honest, we can find ourselves struggling to honor God with our bodies. It shows up in habits and addictions and poor choices, in areas of thought and word and, and deed, some of which can be rooted in straight up sins, things like pride and envy, anger, laziness, greed, gluttony, or lust. Those aren't the only things that are sins, but it's a solid list and we're all familiar with them. We've seen them and we've lived them. We've experienced them ourselves and through other people. They are the things that we've done or the things that have been done to us. And they represent areas where we can all struggle. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, no matter who we are, we all have the same problem. And the problem is sin. Sin is an active offense against God, either directly towards him or in relationship with others. It, that's our problem, sin. And Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So our problem is sin. And it shows up in things related to our body as well, like lust or gluttony. It, yet even when we find ourselves struggling in those spaces, listen, God never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. He never gives up on you or me. And therefore, we don't have to settle for struggling on our own. There's a way out. But part of being able to move past those things is knowing what's a tension we need to manage versus what's a problem we can solve. If we don't know how to solve or manage properly, we get stuck spiritually. Trying to do what's right, trying to honor God, but repeatedly stumbling doing what we don't want to do. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this, and I'll invite you to grab a Bible if you have one, and turn to the book of Romans. In the New Testament, you find Acts and Corinthians, and then you find Romans, and, and in between them. And, and in Romans chapter 7, uh, starting verse 18, this is what Paul says. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You know, Paul was not the only person who has ever found himself or herself doing what we don't want to do. We all know what it's like to do what we don't want to do. And, and Paul rightly points out the challenge. <laughs> Whatever area it is, an area of lust, an area of anger, or area of gluttony. And, and you may be trying to process that for you, and you may be wondering, is, is Paul talking about a problem or a tension here? I want to tell you, it's actually both. It's a problem and a tension he's addressing. The problem is sin. The tension is our choice, or our decisions in relationship to that reality. That, that's seen in, in where we turn in our tension and problem, where we look for strength and power, who or what we pursue in any dynamic. And if we don't know how to manage and how to solve, we end up doing what we don't want to do over and over. We've lived it and we've all seen it. And one of the great sorrows, I think, for even moms is watching kids that they've loved, to get stuck in cycles of doing what they don't want to do. Moms, whether they are by birth or by bond, by relationship, love uniquely. 
And it's hard to see those we love struggle in what can be solved or what can be managed. Yet there is a way out. In fact, what, what Paul describes actually reminds me of some of the unique things and dynamics of sitting on a seesaw. I don't know if you've ever been on a seesaw. I, I would imagine most of you have, but have you ever tried to seesaw alone? Uh, it's not very fun. I mean, you can jump up in the air, but without another person on the other end, you're just going to come right back down. It's actually kind of lame <laughs> to be on a seesaw alone. As a kid, my older brother Jim and I, we would get on seesaws and try to balance in the middle and see how long we could stay in the air. Total, totally fun to just do that with my brother. And we, we would do it really most often just until he jumped off and I dropped to the ground. <laughs> or sometimes he used his weight to launch me in the air. Seesaws can be fun, but it matters who's on the other end. And I share that today because we'll never fix spiritual problems or find balance in managing spiritual tensions alone without help. See, it's not just nice that God never gives up on us. It's actually essential. We need him. We need his help. And I want to be clear in this. I'm not trying to imply equal investment in the seesaw metaphor that we have just as much that we bring to the table as, as Jesus in that. that. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus clearly is the hero. He's the one who saves. And even Paul acknowledges after he says, I keep doing what I don't want to do. By the time we get to verse 24, he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's absolutely wonderful. It's fantastic. Yet we have a part to play in this dynamic in response to him. We can't do it alone. We can't do it without him. And I'm going to tell you, he doesn't and won't do it all for us. He invites us to play a part. Look, we can live differently because of Jesus. You and I, we can live differently because of Jesus. Free, forgiven, empowered. Man, we don't have to keep doing what we don't want to do. And that's great. But we have a part to play in our choices. And the good news is that God's provided what we need to do exactly that. In fact, I want to invite you to jump a little bit further into the New Testament because it was the disciple Peter who actually explains this. I want to invite you to turn to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. It's more towards the back of the New Testament. You find Hebrews and James. Before you get to 1, 2, and 3 John, you're going you're gonna to find 1 and 2 Peter. And in, and in Peter's second letter, He's a, he actually spent some time acknowledging that God is patient and he wants more people to have an opportunity to solve the problem of sin and, and to manage the tensions of life in relationship with Jesus. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3, here's what he says though. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything we need, not just, not just what we want, but what we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. That's our knowledge of the Lord, who called us by his own glory and goodness. This is powerful truth, that Jesus has given us everything we need for living a godly life, out of his own glory and out of his own goodness. By his example and through his spirit, we have everything for living a life that is pleasing to God in Jesus. Then in verse four, he goes on to say, through these, he has given us, his very great and precious promises 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. We can be like him. We can be holy. We can be Christ-like and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We can stop doing what we don't want to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I am stoked about the realities of what Peter just described. I mean, Peter, Peter points out that we can break away. We can turn our back completely on the junk of our lives and we can be holy like God. We can have a different life. We can live differently because of Jesus. We already have all that we need in him if we follow him as Lord. This, this is huge. But as Peter points out, we have to do our part, which is really why he rolls into a list of virtues next. Check this out. This is now into verse five. In view of all this, and that would be the things given and the things promised, make every effort to respond. Make, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Man, okay, listen. Peter identifies seven virtues that are connected. They function like links in a chain. One leads to the next. You can't skip any without missing out. You take one away, it affects the next. If, if one is weaker or even underdeveloped, that has an impact as well. We need them all. And again, that's why it's good. He's given us all we need to embrace, to choose moral excellence, where then he reveals himself and our knowledge grows. And then he gives us power to demonstrate self-control that leads to patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love. All of this is available to us. He empowers us to do it. But when we forget, we forget that Jesus is in charge or that we have been washed clean from the past. It is so easy to step back into impurity. It is so easy to step back into doing what we don't want to do, even though we're free. We can still return. We can go back. We can drift in our choices. Yet self-discipline, self-discipline positions us. When, when we're willing to choose well, when we pursue him in relationship and proximity, then the self-discipline that comes by his power at work within us leads us to patience as we hold fast. And we end up reflecting his character as his power is at work within us. And then we get to act like him and function like him, demonstrating his affection and his love because he himself is love. See, it's, it's not just us, but him at work in us as we do our part. And, and Peter, he actually goes on to say, we look into verse eight. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ more productive. That means we don't, we don't have to keep doing what we don't want to do as we live into what he offers. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. 
do these things, then you can stop doing what you don't want to do. Now, I want to be really clear here that Peter and I are not calling us to some level of performance or some even self-effort, but rather surrender and, and submission, re receiving what Jesus offers in, in freedom and power and strength. Because how we live in body, mind, and spirit matters. We, we can't do it alone. We, we don't want to do it without Jesus. And, and Jesus won't do it all for us. We have a part to play. What we choose matters. It, our choices aren't isolated. Life with God is never neutral. Our daily choices either set us up for more of what God has for us or less. So what we choose to do in spirit and mind and body matters. In fact, Jesus himself said, Matthew 5 verse 8, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Those who have been cleansed and forgiven, who sincerely pursue him, not that they're perfect, but those who with right heart get to see him. He does that. He reveals himself to us when we choose that, that moral excellence posture and the knowledge that comes in experiencing him. But he also says in Luke 11, verse 28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Again, listen, that's moral excellence leading to knowledge and knowledge leading to self-control and so on and so on as Peter described. What you and I, what we choose matters. It, it determines what we can see and what God can bless. And whenever we're willing to obey, he goes before us. Obedience leads to knowing him more. We get to know him. We get to know next steps in life. He shows himself. But I'll tell you, we will remain stuck doing what we don't want to do until we obey. All, all that he is and everything that he has for us hopes and dreams that we hold in relationship to him, the great adventure he wants us to live into, all those things are locked away. They are, are limited until we choose him. Only after obedience does, does he reveal those things. We play a part. We get to choose. Life doesn't have to be up and down all the time. We, we can sit on one side of that relationship seesaw with Christ on the other and find stability and we can be free and we don't have to keep doing what we don't want to do. Yet it's, this, this, it's the decisions that we make in, in, in managing and navigating tensions and problems of life. It's how we respond to sin and, and the choices that we're making in those dynamics, whether we're choosing holiness and faithfulness or not. So I guess I just want to invite you to consider what you will keep on doing. What, we, what you will keep on doing today. What you'll choose. What will you Will you keep on doing what you don't want to do? Or will you do what he's created you for? You'll do what he wants. What will you keep on doing in your life? It, it, that can be healthy or it can be unhealthy. I'll tell you again, God doesn't reveal more truth about himself until we're faithful with what he's already shown us. So it's a posture of listening and obeying or being stuck and frustrated doing what we don't want to do where we end up trying to manage problems and trying to solve tensions, which is really why so many people end up in that pattern of doing what they don't want to do. But I again want to ask you, what do you choose to keep doing?
there are tensions to manage in life and there are problems to solve all in the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And whatever your struggle is or whatever it may be taking from you or even requiring of you to to lean into that complication, it is ultimately by the power of Jesus at work in us in response to our choices that makes the difference. Lots of people try to break habits, stop patterns, choose better. We all try different things. We take steps to manage our desires, but it's the power of God that changes cycles and it's our obedience that brings that power to bear in life. So it's up to us. It's up to you to remove the laminate that obscures our ability to see and to install and fully use what he offers, (laughs) to install and use it properly and not fall. You know, the book of Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 22, says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're invited into that process. He has made a way for us to set aside the old and put on the new, to be made new. And we need his transforming power to do it. We're gonna continue to unpack ways to live into being made new, being free, breaking cycles in our lives, body, mind, and spirit in the rest of our series. But I wanna wanna create a space for us, for, for you, to do some business with God. If you've already chosen to follow Jesus, you, he's already revealed himself and you, you see him in a space of true and genuine pursuit of your heart with him. And I, I encourage you just to use this time to thank him and to lean in further. He, he'll show you more. He's got more to show. But if you've been in a space of struggling and drifting in your choices, you've been trying to solve tensions and manage problems, and right now, maybe you're, maybe you're right in the thick of it right now, doing what you don't want to do. I want to encourage you to change the cycle by choosing differently to put on the new self, to give up the struggle and rest in Jesus. Really to give up those desires and to choose the divine. (laughs) Jesus said that he came so we may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, full, till it's overflowing. (laughs) And you and I, we can experience the fullness of life every day in body, mind, and spirit We become fit for life. But that comes as we ask Jesus to solve our sin problem and then allow him to help us manage life's tensions, even in our bodies, because then we'll see God. Jesus wants us to be like him. He's made a way. And if you're willing to step in relationship and ask him to be Savior and Lord, just in a conversation with him, asking him to forgive you and then giving him the authority so that he can lead in your life. He wants He wants more than your belief. He wants more than your faith. He wants your body, mind, and spirit. He wants all of you. So give him that authority. Let him solve your sin problem and empower you to manage the tensions of life in his strength. Come to him just as you are. You don't need to solve the stuff and fix the stuff and then come. Just come and he fixes it. He makes things new. No matter how many times we've done what we don't want to do. So let me just give you a moment, a space. I'll lead us into a time of prayer. And then I invite you to linger in conversation with the Lord and discussing where you're at in relationship and journey with him today and what you're gonna keep doing. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for your love. I pray you would speak to my friends even now. Work and move, lead and direct, that we would keep doing what you call us to and not keep doing the things we don't want to do. I pray that you'd speak even now in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship your holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening De tu grande amor cantaré, tu nombre alabaré. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great. And your heart is kind For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart
What a great reminder for us. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, he's going to be ushering in a new creation, a new kingdom, a kingdom without sin, without sorrow, without darkness. I can't wait to experience all of that. But in the meantime, we're called to actively wait and watch, sharing the good news about Jesus and helping to be a blessing in our community. Well, friends, as we get ready to conclude our time together, allow me just to remind you of a few things before you go. Uh, Next Sunday, May 16th, we're going to be celebrating the sacrament of baptism during our services. This is going to happen at Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses. And I got to tell you, I'm always so excited by baptism because it's so much fun to watch how God is able to transform lives. And each individual that enters the waters, they, they are declaring their intent to live for Jesus and to step into the freedom that Jesus has for each one of us. So I wanna just encourage you to attend one of those services and help celebrate what God is doing in the lives of those who are walking into those waters. I also want you to know that it's not too late to sign up for baptism. If that's something that you're feeling God is leading you to do, you can do that through the Church Center app. You can do it through our website at heritageqc.com, or you can just call the church office this week. And we would love to journey with you towards this next important step in your faith journey. I also want to just encourage you to continue to check the Church Center app to get updates on all the things that are coming up. You know, it's a great spot to check on ways to participate in group life, but we also have some really great summer events coming up that are tailored to help families participate together and to to just help us get to know one another in the church family, which I just think is so important following a year where many of us experienced isolation that came from shutdowns and quarantine and all that stuff. So to to be able to be together is such a good thing. So I want you to, to just watch the Church Center app for more details on these upcoming events. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your day with us. One final time, I wanna just wish all of our biological, adoptive and spiritual moms Happy Mother's Day. And I wanna encourage you to come back next week as we continue our Fit for Life conversation. And until then, I pray that you experience the abundant life Jesus has in mind for you and that you would go from this place, go from this time in his love, grace, and peace. Have a great week.